0: Okay. Morning. So uh, Craig was here for the last couple of days. He says hello. He asked me to uh, say hello on on uh, he and Janelle's behalf. So he was here doing a workshop uh, around discipleship that we that he's still partnering with us in. So that uh, that was a real blessing. Um, fantastic. So this week uh, we are kind of relaunching back into a sermon series called The Ways, the Words, the Works of Jesus. So basically, it's just a a name to talk like... It's kind of just the sermon series that I've called uh, because we're just basically picking back up the story of Jesus right from where we left off. So we did uh, kind of the first seven chapters or so of Matthew, even though we jumped around the different Gospels. And so we're going to pick up today in Matthew chapter 8. So if you do have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. We're not going to read it for a little while, but we will read a bunch out of Matthew chapter 8 today. And uh, the topic of these next three stories in Matthew chapter 8 is actually healing. And uh, it's, I was, when, when we kind of, it just felt right to finish it when we finished it before. And I, I, can I be honest with you? Uh, I didn't know you guys very well back then, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about that, because it's one of those topics that can push buttons, right? Um the topic of healing now obviously it's in the bible that's where we're going to read it from but i totally get that all of us have different potentially different baggage when it comes to this maybe we've had different experiences maybe um maybe we've got different thoughts different feelings different even theological beliefs about this topic of healing and so uh and that might bring up different emotions for you i just want to acknowledge that up front um Maybe you've got fantastic stories of healing and you're like, yes, come on, let's go. Uh, but maybe you've got um, other stories. Maybe it makes you feel sad. Maybe you've lost people in your life who you wished God would have done something different. Uh, maybe you're in the middle of a physical crisis now. Look, I just want to acknowledge all of those things as we talk about this. And uh, you'll notice later on, I think we as God's people, we, we want to, Follow Jesus as thoroughly as we know how, as thoroughly as we can. But we also just need to be humble, knowing that, uh, and that's one of the points we'll, we'll, we'll talk into. So I just want to um, say it all out loud, and let's, I just want to pray for us and uh, that God gives me, you know, wisdom about what to say and what not to say. Uh, but also, I just pray that our hearts are open and ready to receive, no matter what our previous experience is. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. Father God. I just thank you. It is such a privilege to live in this day and age where we have your words written down, where we have the stories of the activity that Jesus did, that we can even look at the ways Jesus did things and the words that he's spoken and the things that he did in this world. And Lord, we gather here to, together today as brothers and sisters saying acknowledging yep you are God you are God we acknowledge it together but Lord that doesn't mean that we know how to follow you very well so Lord teach us we want to be people who follow you the best we can we want to stand before you one day and say I obeyed you Lord or in fact you say it back to us thank you for obeying me that's who we want to be Lord so teach us your ways Give us soft hearts this morning, not to hear, not to have our opinions adjusted because of someone else's opinion, but to be malleable under the strength of your word. We want to be people grounded in your word and open to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when I say the words, the ways, the words, the works of Jesus, what I mean is the ways of Jesus is is how did he think so that we can think like Jesus? The, the words, what I mean is, what did he say? What did he talk about? So that his words can, you know, we can talk about those stuff too. And when I say his works, what I mean is, what did he do? What, what, what's the stuff he got busy doing on his day-to-day basis? And so that may, may influence us and shape our lives as well. The interesting thing about this topic is, um, like I said, I acknowledge it. There's, uh, it might bring up some different emotions and uh, different feelings. And, and often, if you're anything like me, you grew up in a church who kind of theoretically believed in healing, but it's not something we talked about very much. Like, we, we knew, in fact, I've got stories of us, you know, setting big prayer networks up and, and, uh, and I, I mean, I, I know stories of people's brain tumours just getting better and, and stuff like that. Uh, so it's kind of one of these topics. Uh, some Christians have decided, oh no, no, we, God doesn't heal anymore. That's something in the past. But most Christians are actually, no, 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 God heals. But that doesn't mean we're very fluent in it. That doesn't mean, we're, we're still pretty ignorant. Because it's one of those topics that it's easier for a preacher to avoid, if I may say. Because we don't want to offend people. But uh, my commitment in my own life is, is I've seen God do some amazing things and I can't ignore that anymore. Uh, and, and I don't want to be one of those guys who avoids parts of the Bible <laughs> because it's a hard topic, okay? So hopefully you've picked that up over the last nine months. Um, so we're going to talk about it. But what is a healthy way for us to talk about it? What is a healthy way? What, what are some some elements, some things. Sorry, maybe before I get into that, let's just also acknowledge that there are different parts of the church who have done different things with this topic, which has caused some a lot of confusion. So there is elements of the church who have said, oh, no, no. Uh, and I think it all kind of comes down to this word control. So... And you can do it in a couple of different ways. So I'm just going to talk about some extremes, because the truth is most people probably aren't the extremes. They're in the middle there somewhere. But sometimes we try and control it and then try and figure out a formula. If we can figure out the formula, then maybe this gift of healing can come under our control. And I've got to be honest, when I started thinking about this, that was the first thing I did. Oh, what's the trick? What's the magic words to say? If I can say the magic words... And I use that term magic on purpose, because that's kind of how we're, how we're treating it. If I can just do it the right way, if I could say the right thing, then maybe when I pray for someone, then they'll get healed. And there's elements of the church who have really taken this quite a long way. And I remember as a yet fairly young bloke, um, <laughs> this is being recorded, but, uh, but <laughs> I'll, I'll say it anyway. Um, we, we visited this church who was, you know, a bit more out there a bit more on, on the far edge. Um, and there was, they had a, a visiting prophet or someone and, and there was someone who needed healing and this guy was he, was, he was banging his head against the wall. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm like, whoa, we just belong to a little church of Christ. And we're like, this is out of the box. Uh, we were there because some friends invited us and then they, they weren't even there. And then we found out they were hiding at home. Um, so <laughs> not because we were there, but because uh, they didn't know we were coming. Um, but, you know, they, they would. Anyway, um, it's being recorded, being recorded. Remind myself. Um, so, uh, basically, there's someone who needed healing for something, and this, this evangelist said, Oh, uh, go next, or, sent one of the elders next door to the shops to buy some beans. What's your favorite flavor of beans? Oh, this is it. Oh, that's the only flavor that was on the shelf. God is in this. Take this home and eat these beans. And by the time you finish it, you'll be healed. Praise the Lord. And if you're not, it's because your faith's not strong enough. Oh, that is one of those, probably one of the most offensive things I've heard in Christianity. That belief that, no, no, the problem can't be with God. The problem has to be with you. Because they have this belief. Oh, we all believe that God's powerful enough to do it. Absolutely. But why didn't he do it? That's the hardest question to wrestle with. And they don't want God to be the problem, so you must be the problem. And I think that's offended so many people and actually caused us to carry some baggage. It caused me some baggage for a long time. I just avoided that whole, that whole bucket. I was like, that's weird. and I'm not even sure it's Christian. The truth is, uh, I think it's just humans trying to control this thing that's actually real. Because since then, I've actually seen people get healed. I've prayed for people myself and they've been immediately healed. That's true now that's my own testimony and I can't ignore that but that doesn't mean everyone I pray for gets healed straight away either so this temptation to try and learn the formula, learn how to do it is really, it's about control the other extreme of and again I still think it's control is that we, some, heart, some bits of the church create doctrine that oh no, God doesn't do that anymore so it's easy, we're going to control it by ignoring it, by saying it doesn't happen anymore. And those testimonies that you might have heard, ah, they, they, yeah, just, just don't talk about them, and if we ignore them long enough, they'll go away. Because the truth is, there are some people with some incredible things going on around the world. I don't know if you've heard, but there are people being raised from the dead around the world. Not so much in Australia, but in, in, in some other countries. God is doing incredible things. So what does it look like for us I'm someone, and I hope you are, I really value the Word of God and I really value the presence of God. I, I want to pursue the Word of God because it's His Word. But it's not about pursuing the words, it's about pursuing Him because it's His Word. He wrote it. And as we read the Word of God, we get to know Him. The interesting thing is, if, if as, even as Jesus... Um, so, so the, the, the truth is most of us have probably grown up in a church similar to myself, uh, Baptist Church, Churches of Christ. We believe theoretically in healing, and uh, our, our mechanism, the vehicle we use to pray for healing is, is like these prayer networks. Let's just gang up on God. We'll get as many people praying as possible, and maybe he'll listen to one of us. Um, you're you're all giggling because it's familiar, right? Um, and I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying don't do that. I think it's... Yeah, that's probably what I would do if, if I was really, you know, really at risk. I would want you guys to partner with me. So there's something healthy about that, but there's also um, we often pray with not much faith, thinking that God can listen to me. That, see, the negative part of that is uh, we we tend not to think that God can use me to do that, which is not the biblical truth. He can use a donkey to do what His will. <laughs> He can use anyone. In fact, it's his preference to use the weak to do his will. Who's weak here? Yeah, there's a few hands. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. That was a good response. Um, God loves to use the weak. So it's not about saying the right words, it's not about being a super Christian. It is about living in obedience to him. And so, again, uh, the, so the, the truth is most of us, like I said, believe in healing. And most of us want to actually listen to God and, and learn how to follow Him. And so that's, that's the channel we're on. That's, and so what did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? The interesting thing is He actually taught His disciples to heal the sick. Not just the 12, but beyond the 12 as well. There were 72 that's described that follow Jesus as well. So to the 12, He said uh, in Matthew 10, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. Uh, And Matthew 10, 7 to 8, if you're taking notes, proclaim as you go, saying... This is his instructions to the 12. Proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, and uh, you received without paying, so give it without pay. Do it for free. His instructions to the 72 was a little bit... was similar. Um, Maybe, you know, he didn't... the 12th, they had some very heavy. Has anyone ever raised anyone from the dead? Like, not so much. Um, but uh, in Luke chapter 10, this is the instructions he gave to the 72. Uh, whenever you enter a town and, and uh, they receive you, eat what is set before you. Uh, this is part of a bigger instruction. Uh, verse 9 heal the sick. It's like, eat whatever's before you, and while you're there, heal their sick. <laughs> and say to them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. So these were instructions that Jesus is actually giving to his followers before he even died and and resurrected. So we live on this side of the cross. And on this side of the cross, we understand. We have a bigger picture. We understand that Jesus, uh, when he was about to ascend to heaven, he said, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go in my name. Teach everyone what I taught you. And part of what he taught them to do is heal the sick. So I don't think this is a topic that's healthy for us to ignore. But how do we do it in a way that's healthy? I don't want us to make. I I don't want to. Can I say this out loud? I don't want to be the pastor of the weird church. Like I'm not asking you guys to be weird and 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 you know and just weird people out. I mean, being Christian is a little bit weird nowadays anyway. But but um. So how do we do it in a really healthy way? That's not offensive, but it's actually a blessing to people. There's two things that I want to highlight before we read. Um, and that is the first one, we need to be humble. If you've been here for a, for a little while, you'll know that this theme keeps coming up. Probably because that's what God is telling me. Maybe he's telling me to tell you. But humility, I think, is one of the most important elements if God gives you the opportunity to pray for someone. We live in a really self-focused, consumer-driven society. That's our programming. We've already talked about worldviews in, in, in previous sermons, but the worldview that we've been, we've been raised in, what we've grown up in, um, actually approaches it actually warps the way we think of healing. So if you think about it, the worldview that we've been given is is very self-focused. Me, 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 me. And you can see that's a problem when it comes to asking for God's will in someone's life because it's all about me, 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 me. And even the person who's praying, we want to look good. (laughs) We want people to like us because we've grown up in that society too. Uh, Another point is uh, we don't like to wait. We don't like delayed gratification do we we don't like to wait we live in an instant culture we want everything today what do you mean they've run out of my favorite thing at woolworths that's no i'm a consumer they should have it you know that's a pretty common com- common attitude we just <laughs> we like so we're self-focused we don't like to wait we don't like delayed gratification and then the third point i already said is we are consumer driven I ask for it, and I deserve it. This is even, when I, I lived in America for a couple of years, this stuff is even louder over there. Especially you take them to a restaurant. This godly person, you know, you go to the restaurant, and they, sometimes they become other people when they're talking to waitresses and waiters. No, 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 I ordered this, and you gave me that. Go and take it back and tell the, tell the chef what I think of him. You know, I'm like, Whoa consumer much these things don't help us when it comes to living God's way and doing things God's way and it doesn't help us if we approached this topic of healing with these really arrogant attitudes there's a level of this is, and this is what I mean by humility humility is like the opposite of those things humility is about not trying to figure out the formula Don't try and control it. My preference is that God answers my prayer the way that I prayed it. And it kind of becomes a bit of a superpower. If he actually did it the way that I wanted him to do it every time I did it, like, you know, we'd be pretty famous. (laughs) Uh, And I don't think that's God's agenda for us. We need to be humble knowing that God doesn't always do things the way that we ask him to do it. Don't try and figure out the formula. So rather than going to an extreme of fake it till you make it, no, no, just, I'm just going to claim your healing and, and you go out of my sight and I'm just going to say, yep, you were healed. Uh, so many people have been offended by that because they walk away. And, and they're like, but I'm not healed. Like, what? And they go walk away thinking there's something wrong with them. So that's, again, one extreme. The other extreme isn't, doesn't happen at all. Let's just control it with belief. So rather, I'd like to offer a, a, a different perspective, a middle ground, as it, as it were. I'd like to suggest that we pray with humility and our role our job description in, in praying for someone is to simply bring Jesus, is to speak Jesus into this situation. That's our role. And then we trust that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his understanding is higher than our understanding, that uh, he's a good God and that his plan is better than what we are thinking. Because, uh, are you with me? Our job is to bring Jesus, not for our will to be done. So our prayer needs to be, God, let, to bring Jesus into this situation, but not my will, yours be done. I don't have a very tall perspective in this. All I see is this person saying this to me, and I can pray for that, but we don't understand the background. We don't understand what's going on in the rest of their lives. God does. He's got a different perspective. And not only that, he's got an eternal perspective, and can I say, from God's perspective, from eternity, it's more important than someone gets into eternity than it is that they get their prayer answered today. It's more important. And there's a journey often that people need to go on with God that is about getting... It's about their relationship with God. It's about... And that's, what, that's how we get to heaven, right? We have to know Him. We have to know Jesus. So that's why we need humility. We do not understand everything that's going on in this person's life. We only know what they told us. And sometimes there's more to it. And again, the temptation is to try and understand all those those bits and pieces. But the truth is, sometimes there's repentance attached. And we don't know that. Sometimes there's some beliefs that they need to shift. and, And we don't necessarily know that. Sometimes it's got nothing to do with anything else, uh, and we just got to pray with faith. You know, I don't. There's so many nuances, and the truth is, Jesus does it different every time. So, my invitation to you is to pray with humility without trying to figure everything out. The only other piece of the puzzle would be you simply listen to God and do what He says. Which brings me to my second point. So first one is humility. The second one is, this is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. Healing is something that he does. Not something that we do, except he uses us to do it. He's got this crazy bonkers idea that he wants to use us, his body of Christ in the world, to bring his kingdom, to do his will. I say crazy because we're not very, um, I don't feel very useful often. You know, I feel a bit broken often, uh, I'm, I, and we often come before God with, what do you mean you want to use me? Are you serious? Why don't you just do it yourself? You'll be much better at it, but we get so blessed by being used by God. It's, my favorite, it's the favorite thing for me to do in my life, is to be used by God. It is, you get, it's, it's such a thrill, and it's such a pleasure that God chooses, that God has made it uh, this option available to us that we get to partner with him on his mission in the world. See, when it when First Corinthians twelve, there's this passage that talks about the gifts of the spirit. Now, this is not a sermon about that, but let me just make reference to it. Um, the gifts of the spirit in in, uh, in Romans twelve is the gift is actually the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift. And when it refers to reference, I'm just going to read a little bit. Um, to another, he's talking. He, he gives out gifts to different parts of the, his body, different parts of the church, different people in different ways. But it's all by the one spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the one spirit. It's all about the spirit. It's like uh, a description that I like to use. I don't think it's perfect. Is when we get when we, we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, he he he's got bags. He's got suitcases with gifts in them. And the gift is him. We, he's the gift to us, but he's got gifts that now are all of a sudden available to us. And, and, he, and he gives us gifts. Uh, uh, he, I think some people specialize in specific gifts. You know, wisdom. There's, there's lots of gifts. Uh, again, this is not a sermon on that. And healing, the gifts, plural, of healing is one of those or multiple of those. I'm not sure how it works. The truth is I've got more questions than I have answers. But my point here is he is the gift. Our job is to bring Jesus. It's to bring him. Uh, I made a reference a couple of weeks ago You know, when Jesus was walking into Jerusalem just before he was crucified uh, on Palm Sunday and they were putting, they were worshipping him. him. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. That means the king has arrived and they were honouring him. And then uh, he was riding on a donkey. For us, this is a, a, a funny illustration, I love it. Us praying for someone is like us being the donkey. When and we bring Jesus. We're the donkey, and we bring Jesus. He's the one who, with the power and the authority to heal, but he uses us. He involves us in it. And, and, and we don't get the praise. If someone was like, oh, thank you so much, here, let me pay you. No, 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 no. No, we didn't. I didn't do it. I'm just the donkey. If the donkey sat there and thought, oh, look, everyone's worshipping me, that would be dumb, right? We would look at the donkey going, no, nah, dude, that's not right. We were worshipping Jesus. And so, when God uses us, it's actually Him in us that deserves the worship, not, not us. So again, we need humility. Our job is to pray and invite Him to the situation. And I wrote this... No, I can't see it. Oh. So our job is to simply pray... With faith. So when we say faith, we have this knowledge that God can do it. That's our faith. We know that he can do it. Okay? And the humility is, I don't know if he will. I don't know his plan. I'm not in control of his plan. Does that make sense? So when we pray with faith in humility, is that okay? I just said don't have a formula and I just gave you a formula. All right? So, you know, just filter it. Uh, but pray with faith in humility, I think is the key. Okay, so let's open the uh, Matthew chapter 8. I'm actually going to start at the end of chapter 7, because um, I think the, it belongs together. Um, but if you've got your Bibles, we're actually gonna, what we're going to do is just read through some, some of these stories and pick out some lessons that we can learn and highlight some of the things that Jesus did, and maybe that can be useful for us. Is that all right? Awesome. So we're going to start Matthew 7, 28. uh, And this is part of the first story. And when Jesus finished... Sorry. And when Jesus finished saying these things, so he had just uh, finished the Sermon on the Mount. You guys remember that? The Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons... So this is immediately following that. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd was astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So the scribes would simply teach the word, but of course he was teaching with authority. Why do you think that is? Because he's God, right? Like... Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's God in in in, in flesh. He's the is the God Man, uh, and He understood, not be, and oh, it's, it's a different topic. But um, He had authority because that's the authority that His Father sent Him in, and He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. Okay, uh, chapter eight, verse one. When He came down from the mountain, the crowds, sorry, great crowds, followed Him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, uh, or or Lord, if you want to, or you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 3. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. That's something you don't do to lepers, just in case you catch whatever they've got. And then actually you also become ceremonially unclean, which I'll explain in a minute. He reached out his hand and touched him and said, I will, or I am willing, or yes, I want to. Be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer gifts that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So, the first thing to highlight is Jesus taught with authority. And we've already started talking about that. He is God incarnate, God with us. That's what the word Emmanuel means God with us. And of course, He had authority. Uh, when did He understand all these things? Did He even understand all these things? Look, it's really, it's really hard to know what he understood and what he didn't understand. How much of it did God the Father just tell him and how much of it didn't? Look, there's so much we don't know. and There's so many different discussions about that. And that's not the point. The point is, God had told him enough for him to teach with authority. He understood things. And he had this regular rhythm of praying every day. And I think that was very much about walking with his Father... And I'm sure his father was downloading everything he needed to know as he he went. Because that seems to be how God does it. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, which he got at his baptism. So he taught with authority. The second point is the man with leprosy knew that Jesus could heal him. He just knew it. He believed it. And belief seems to be a common theme when Jesus heals people. It's often... As a response to their belief. Now, leprosy uh, back then is kind of this big bucket of things that we would refer to as a skin disease. Okay, so there's a a modern form of leprosy, um, and uh, so it's not just that, it would have been this larger bucket of everything that's weird that's happening on your skin. And if you read Leviticus 13 and 14, that, that little section where he says, go to the priest and present yourself to them, it's actually because that's, that was the right thing to do back then. The priest would look, because doctors weren't much of a thing back then, the priest would look at their skin and, would, and determine kind of what it is. Is this a serious thing? Is this contagious? They didn't necessarily know all the bits and pieces, but Leviticus 13 and 14, if, you, if you're... If you really want to geek out on it, read it. It's, it's a little... It's quite interesting. It's got details about what the, what, what the skin looks like, what colour it is, what colour the hair is that's coming out of it. Like, it's quite detailed. God, I think God gave him a lot of wisdom in there. And basically, the priest would then determine, do you go into quarantine? Are you good to go? Is it no worries? Do you go into quarantine for a week and watch this space? Or uh, basically if it doesn't heal, if it doesn't go away, they declare you as unclean and you can no longer live in the city. You can no longer work your trade because nobody's allowed to touch you. You can't touch stuff that other people touch. You become ceremonially unclean, which was really a physical safety for everyone. They had to go and wash and then quarantine. If they were so when Jesus touched him, Technically, he became ceremonially unclean. And the law was, he actually should have quarantined for seven days and washed in certain ways. I think it was seven days. And washed, it was very, it was very detailed. And I love that rather than this man infecting Jesus, Jesus infected the man with his peace, with his wholeness, with his, his wholeness is a good word. That's wonderful. He bucked against the system, knowing with confidence that he could heal the man. And the man knew he could heal him. But I love that Jesus also obeyed the protocols. Because uh, it wasn't just about showing the priests. It was actually about re-establishing this man as a functioning citizen of, of Israel. It, w- it was more than that. He was giving him his life back. Now he could go back to whatever his trade was. Now he could, now he could go home and be with his family, rather than live on the outskirts of town in, in a leper's colony. Are you with me? It was, it's such a beautiful thing. He believed that this is a key. We often, like today, we often don't believe that Jesus is more powerful than the doctor's diagnosis. That's a confronting thought. Let me say it again. We often don't pray with belief that Jesus has more authority, has more ability, that his truth is higher than the doctor's diagnosis. Now, let me just clarify. The doctor's diagnosis is true. I'm not saying it's not true. It is absolutely a truth, at least to the best of modern medicine. It's the best of our knowledge. They're well-trained and they speak the truth. This is what you have, but too often, we because we've been diagnosed and labelled, we don't ask Jesus to fix it because we don't think He can. We've been diagnosed now. Don't you know I've got this? The truth is, okay, that is true. I'm not saying it's not true. I don't think we should fake it till we make it. That's the truth. But I believe. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. I believe he's the answer. And we need to speak Jesus into that situation and invite Jesus to change the rules. That's what a miracle is. It's something that goes beyond explanation, beyond scientific explanation, beyond the natural laws. And we need to be people of faith who acknowledge and believe that God is miraculous. And yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying that's not true. It's true. But I've got a better truth for you. Let's 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 lean into that truth, and again, but try not to cross that line of faking it. Be humble and and honest, and just invite Jesus and let Him do it. Is that okay? Whew, all right. I love Jesus' response. I am willing. It's kind of one of those verses that you could look. What's the character of God? He He loves people and He's willing brokenness, sickness is part of of the broken world. And it's not God's idea. God's idea was for us to live in Eden forever. Sin-free. Sickness-free. And that's what heaven looks like too. We've got those promises. And we look forward to that future. Right now we live in this middle bit where we live in a broken world and yet the kingdom of God has come near. So we, live, we have this opportunity to speak the kingdom of God into, into this broken world. And that's where this gift of healing fits. Because I don't think it's God's idea for us to live with sickness. That doesn't mean he doesn't allow it. That doesn't mean that Christians now get to skip all the suffering in the world. That's pretty much the opposite of what the Bible says. In fact, we need to embrace it. Whatever journey God has for us, we invite him in and then... Stay under him. Let his, king, let his will be done in our lives. But that doesn't mean you live with the same ailment forever. I don't want you to get to heaven and, and, and you go, oh God, why did I have to live with this forever? And he was like, oh, you didn't have to. You just didn't ask. My preference is that you ask as children to their loving father and then be humble enough to accept whatever he says. Yes, yes. I'll heal you. No, I'm not going to heal you. I actually want you to live with that. It's better for you. Or just wait. There's a process. Is that okay? I think this is, this is what humility looks like. All right, let's keep reading. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. This is the next story. It's about the centurion. Love this. When he, Jesus, had entered Capernaum, the place they were going, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralysed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Done. Verse 8. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you in, come under my roof, but only say... But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say, to, I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and from the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom of heaven will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, And, the centurion, and to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed in that very moment. Cool story. Jesus doesn't even have to be there. He can heal from a distance. I find that quite comforting. This centurion had a lot of love for his servant. It wasn't necessary. Back then, servants were largely property. And there's been suggestions that maybe, because it describes him as a young boy, this, people have suggested that maybe he was actually his biological son, possibly that he had with one of his servants. And that's very possible, like it was very common in their culture to, to, to do that. Uh, so, we don't know, it doesn't say. Um, so either way, the fact that he showed so much compassion and love for this young, young boy is, uh, is awesome. And the other thing I just want to highlight uh, is the centurion, my gosh, it, the dynamics there of him publicly coming to Jesus and calling him Lord and asking him to help in this situation, that tells me a lot about the character of this man. This man, like, he was not just one of the Roman soldiers, he was the boss of the Roman soldiers. The, that's, the role of centurion was one of the higher ranks. And, so he, and he describes that. I'm a man who has authority and people do what I say for him to come to Jesus in the public setting with his other people there these people that he's supposed to be policing in fact does police them and s- submit to Jesus and call him lord master boss that's 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 a beautiful thing and it's fair to say fair to assume that the centurion was probably around when Jesus was doing healings Jesus always drew a crowd which probably drew the centurions and their guards to make sure that nothing got out of control. He may have been there at the Sermon of the Mount and heard Jesus. Clearly, this man has faith. He has seen Jesus in action. And when he needed healing, he came to Jesus. That's wonderful. And the other thing I want to highlight is he says, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. But Jesus healed him anyway. Can I just make a statement? Our worth is not connected to our healing. If you get healed, it's not because you were worthy. And if you don't get healed, it's not because you're not worthy. Is that refreshing? I I I think that's one of these principles here. There was another like. There's another layer of that that um comes out in the chosen. If you've watched the chosen. Uh, the, um, it was fairly common for the centurion and their Roman guards to kind of live in a, can I call it a, a fenced community, like away from the people that they were policing. Uh, and it was quite inappropriate for him to bring Jews into his home and into that area of town. And he knew that. And he was probably trying to navigate this on his way to go and get Jesus. And uh, this was the solution he came up with. And I just love that Jesus met him in that place. Jesus understands. He understands our situation. And, we, and, and he's happy to meet us there. I also love that he praised the centurion so much. And then Jesus starts to prophesy. He said, this man has more faith than so many people in Israel. And by the way, People like him who weren't Jewish. He was a Gentile. Gentile simply means not Jew. So pretty much all of us here are Gentiles, I'm I'm assuming. And he prophesies. He says, look, there's going to be a day that the Gentiles, the people who aren't God's people, who weren't God's original chosen people, are going to be in heaven, hanging out with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, And there will be unbelieving Jews who aren't there. Who are thrown out. And is it's a prophetic word, I think, about heaven. Did you know Jesus was a prophet? He often he often he's got a bunch of prophecies. And my understanding is they were all accurate, which makes sense. All right, let's read the last story. Um, yeah, I'll do it quick. It's a very short story. Verse 14, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. Then that evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Let me just highlight a couple of little points. Um, Peter's mum didn't ask to be healed. And Jesus healed her anyway. And that's actually another theme. If we were trying to make a formula, previously we may have gone, oh, you actually have to go to him. You have to have to go to someone and ask. And I think that's a theme for, for many, many cases. If you don't ask, maybe that's evidence that you don't have the faith to ask. But you can't make a rule out of it because she didn't ask. Jesus just chose to bless her. We can't make formulas out of these things. Jesus healed all who were sick. I've heard it said... By, you know, by, by some, that Jesus didn't heal everyone that he came into contact with. And that's rationale for them why maybe some people get healed or some people don't. I can't actually think of a story in the Bible where Jesus didn't or couldn't heal someone. I can't think of one. It says Jesus healed everyone who came. But that doesn't mean that everyone in the region was healed. Just because Jesus walked into the town of Capernaum, that doesn't mean that everyone who was sick in Capernaum got healed. There was still a level of they had to come to him. Which is quite the opposite of what I just told you about his mum, right? Again, we can't make rules about these things. But Jesus has the ability and the authority to heal. And the last thing I just want to highlight, and can I just invite the music team to come up? And can I actually ask you guys, can we do I Speak Jesus? I just think it's perfect. Um, There's also this point here that Jesus cast out everyone who was oppressed by demons uh, with one word. But I just want to highlight something. Casting out demons is legitimate. It's real. It happens today. Um, I've been involved with some of that stuff myself. I know how real it is but it's different from healing. And I think certainly in time gone by, a lot of Christians have married the two together and just assumed that if you're sick, you've got a demon. And I don't think that's true. What this is saying is, he cast out the demons and he healed the sick. Can I also say, sometimes it is connected. (laughs) You can't make rules about this stuff. Sometimes, uh, if, if you're being picked on by a demon, it does manifest physically as a sickness, it does but don't assume it never assume it don't just assume that someone's been oppressed by a demon just because they're sick but acknowledge it as well and this is where we need to pray with humility and be listening to God because it's a relationship we need to be tuned into him and ask often when I pray for someone I pray once and then I feel compelled to pray again because I just feel like even after discussing things with them or even something impressed that God has put, on, put in my spirit. Oh, can I pray into this bit? We didn't talk about that a minute ago. Let's, let's, let's pray again. Again, this is not, um, there's not one formula to this. Our, our um, posture needs to be one of humility, knowing that we don't have a superpower, but we are, best friends with the one who was super powerful, supernaturally powerful. He can break the laws of nature because he wrote them. He has authority over them. And so we're just going to sing, I speak Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to close in prayer. As You guys can just start to play if you like. I just want to close in prayer. But if you would like prayer for anything, remembering that I don't have a magic wand and I can't just do it my way, But if you would like some help speaking Jesus into your situation, I just want to invite you to just come forward or just to pray with someone that you're you're comfortable with. We need to be people who speak Jesus into every situation with enough humility, knowing that, hey, we're in relationship with the most powerful being in the universe. And we don't always get things our way. So pray with humility. Lord, I just thank you for these people for my brothers and sisters here, that we can fumble our way through this together. Because I confessed before, I, I've probably got more questions than I have answers. But Lord, I want to have this authentic acknowledgement of your word and of, and of your ways and your words and your works, Lord. We want to be people who look more and more and more like you each week, each day, each year that goes by. We want to be a church. Where you're welcome to do things your way, for your kingdom to come and your will be done here, in our community, in our church community, in our broader community, and in our own lives. Help us to do things your way, Lord. We're not going to get it right on our own. Help us be people who speak Jesus into every situation. Help us, Lord, because we need your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together. And like I said, if you'd like to come for prayer, I'll just be down here.